land tax, stamp duty, tenants. Sure, property is great, but there are easier ways to get your passive income, sometimes with franking credits. Through ETFs or exchange-traded funds, you can buy a basket of shares in many different companies in one trade. BetaShares offers Australia's broadest range of ETFs, including income-focused funds, which aim to provide yield-hungry investors with attractive income streams. Discover the BetaShares range of ETFs and how simple they can be to invest in by going to betashares.com.au. Read the relevant PDFs and TMD on the website and consider if the fund is right for you. This is a podcast by the RASC Group. It's for educational purposes only. So please do not make a financial, legal, investment or taxation decision based on solely what you hear in this show. Welcome to the Australian Property Podcast. We're on a mission to be Australia's most trusted property podcast. I'm Owen Rask, founder of the Rask Group. I'm Pete Wargent, author and buyer's agent. I'm Amy Lenardi, and I am a buyer's agent. I'm Chris Bates, ex-financial planner and mortgage broker. Together, we'll take you through every step of your property journey. From first home buyer to decades of property investing. Welcome to the very first episode of the Australian Property Podcast. Here, we're on a mission to be the most trusted property podcast in Australia. So there's no selling, there's no BS. Hopefully, you think of us as a team of professional investors on a journey to help others invest better. I'm Owen Rass, the founder of The Rass Group. I'm joined in the studio today by amazing <laughs> co-hosts, Amy Lenardi. Hello, how Owen. How are you going? Pete Wharton. Hi. And uh, Chris Bates, how are G'day. you, mate? Yeah, it's, uh, it's wonderful to have us all on a public holiday in Melbourne in the studio recording. This episode, we're going to talk a little bit about us and we're going to answer some questions uh, that people tend to have about like, why would I even think of investing in property? And we'll get to maybe some myths and dispel some of those. But to kick things off, Chris, maybe with you first, mate, is how did you come to be here today? Like, what do you do? Why are you interested in property? What's your why? So, I mean, I started as a financial advisor back when I was 20, you know, 16 years ago. Um, and basically back in 2011, I was got a job at a financial planning business that done mortgage broking and done property advice. And that was really where the, the journey changed as an advisor. I knew, I knew nothing about property to I was really fascinated by it. And mm. um, fast forward, I guess, 12 years, we run a mortgage broking business. Um, we settled over a billion dollars home loans. Um, it's a big team of us now. It's like 16 of us, maybe 17 this week. Um, <laughs> and um, we just fell in love with property and just how important it is in in not just you know financial wealth, but just having living a great life. You know, having a home that you feel inspired in, and you can raise a family in, and um, and then obviously get the financial rewards by making good decisions over poor ones. And I just sort of the big gap in the market where it's completely unregulated. Financial advisors don't know about it. Young people don't know about it, and it's just one of those things that really compound over someone's lifetime making great decisions. So we get great meaning out of seeing the success stories from someone who, you know, is confused and nervous to, you know, on the weekend, you know, finally buying their first home and, you know, that moment when they get the that finally sign on the dotted line. So, yeah, that's a bit about my story so far. Yeah, great. And it, there will be links in the show notes to every one of our things that we do outside of the podcast. So, please um, go and make the most of those. If you're going to subscribe to the series, find out a little bit about us and, and what we do. Pete, maybe I'll flick it over to you, mate. Um, 
chances are a lot of people listening to this or those who have been around property for quite some time will know you. You've written a few books. Like, why did, why did you want to take part in this show and, and what do you, why are you so passionate about property? Um, yeah, good question. I, I guess uh, ever since I left uni, I've always been in finance. Pretty sad, I guess. Never had um, anything more creative as a as a background. I, originally, I was in assurance and advisory, which is what you'd know as auditing. Very boring sort of bread and butter accounting career. Um, always wanted to go and do my own thing. Um, I had my best results in property, probably more so than the stock market. So it seemed like an obvious way to go. I've uh, been doing my own thing for about 12 years. As you mentioned, I've written a whole stack of books, six times published author, write a daily blog, which have got a fair few followers over mm -hmm. the past decade or so. And um, I work as a property buyer's agent these days and also a wealth coach. Mm. That's great. I know you um, You do a lot of travel because everyone who follows you on Twitter gets to see all the photos. <laughs> you get to, you, you, you leave paradise and you go to other nice places, but maybe not You shouldn't nice believe stuff. everything you see on the social media feeds, Owen. But uh, yeah, I do, I do enjoy travel. That's one of the um, good things about investing that allows you to, to do things like that. Mm, absolutely. And Amy, um, you know, you've been in not just property, but also in podcasts for quite some time. Like you've done a few big podcasts. You've helped a lot of people into their homes, whether they're first home buyers or investors and so on and so forth. Tell us a little bit about yourself and um, why you wanted to take part in this? Yeah, so I started off in property just over 10 years ago. I, I studied economics at uni and I thought, well, I've studied this for so long, I have to get a job in economics because that's what you do, right? You, mm. you study for that reason to get a job. Started working for the government in economics and realised that that just was not for me. Very different to property. I was always jealous of my friends who worked in property. Took a step back and took a bit of a pay cut, got into property management, started doing my master's, was, had absolutely no idea of where I wanted to go and then was really fortunate enough to get an entry-level role into buyer's agency, which is really hard to get an entry-level role in, in that field mm. and have been doing that ever since, so mm. for the last 10 years. And property has been a massive impact in my life because once I got into it, I realised how much I loved it, have been renovating, have yeah. been developing over time um, and have helped build my own portfolio, helped my mum a lot in property too, which has been really special to me. And then realised that I was, I was listening to all of this information, so podcasts, reading things, and I was hearing things that working in the industry I didn't necessarily agree with or I thought was incorrect or misleading. I thought there just needs to be someone who tells it from the ground, ha has the experience in it, and then I started doing first home buyer education which I just think there is still, you know, a, a real lack of mm. um, quality information out there that really takes it down to the, the process and not only the process but the emotional aspect to it as well because property is not just about property, it's about people and it's about emotions and the psychology. Mm. That's something from my side of the fence, which is the share market side of the fence most of the time mm. we tend to miss out on, right? We just see things on a screen going up and down. We don't mm. think a lot about um, so I am envious of all three of you who get to work with people one-on-one -on -one, uh, to help them through not just financial goals, but lifestyle goals as well, which is just a, a, a great thing. So just a, for, for those of you that haven't heard of Rask or the brand, um, started in 2017, and we specialize in financial education uh, and investment education in particular. Uh, so we reach a lot of people now through podcasts and through our education platform and news and so on. And um, my passion and my thrust behind this series was basically the number one thing that everyone in our audience has in common is they all have to live in a property or 
chances are a lot of them invest in property one way or another. And we just never had anything that could help them with that. Like we've done courses before, we've done podcasts before, but bringing us all together um, is just heaps of fun. And I think this is the first podcast in the country that brings together four people around the industry to contribute uh, to a really important topic. So I think there's going to be a lot of great insights that come from this series. And I'm so happy that all of us can be here today and also that we can do this ongoing. Um, but a topic that maybe we can address in the very first episode here is why invest in property? So this is just a very kind of like big picture question. And maybe we start with you in that sense, Pete, if you have some sort of data around this, and then we can each just chime in with our own perspectives on this, um, or even like just your view on it as an asset class. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the reasons that property has been popular in Australia is partly because of the performance. We're a high population growth country um, on a median wealth per capita um, basis. Australia is one of the wealthiest nations in the world, if not the wealthiest mm. now, uh, which has also sort of fueled the property market. I think um, in terms of actual data, well, it depends where you start and finish. But look, roughly speaking, capital city properties had about 7% capital growth per annum over the past 20 years or so. But one of the interesting things in Australia is that the, the capital city markets don't move coterminously. They, um, you know, you, you might find that the the resources states um, and cities like Perth and Darwin, they went through a mining boom when Sydney and Melbourne were flat. Mm. And then, of course, Sydney and Melbourne had a boom post-2012. Um, so the cycles move at different times. But if you average it out over 20 years, about 7% per annum. So um, with gearing, that has proven to be a very profitable approach for people, strong, stable returns over a long period of time. Mm. Chris, Pete mentioned the idea of gearing. I think that's a worthwhile segue to you, mate. Um, why, why do you think people should invest in property or even consider it as an investment vehicle, an asset class, like however you want to define that? Yeah, I think it's um, it goes back to my financial planning days. I was an advisor for 13 years and you know a lot of financial planners, they don't really focus on the property because it's unregulated. They're not trained on property. It's not really a product they can advise on. And a lot of advisors just think it's shares, right? It's whether it's in your super or buying shares. And I don't think it's uh, just shares or it's just property. It's just another tool that you can use. And one of the reasons that the pros for property is leverage, right? It's very much easier to leverage into property. Um, banks will lend on a lot easier than if you want to leverage into shares. It's not to say you can't leverage into shares, but there's depending on how you do it, you know, there's got a funder issue, you've got you know, issues with margin calls, et cetera. So leverage is a key part of it. And I guess as a broker, that's what we're doing. We're, we're kind of helping people figure out what's their options with leverage and then how do they actually use it wisely. A lot mm. of brokers will just say, this is what you can borrow and off you go. But that's only that's not even that's probably twenty percent of the challenge. The next eighty percent is actually getting a quality asset. Um, and so, yeah, it's not only just using leverage; you then have to use it wisely because not all properties. And when Pete was talking about the market and all cities and regional areas are growing at the same rate. And so, um, the other major thing, I guess, if you're talking about leverage, is the tax settings. So. A lot of people think about you know negative gearing, but one of the biggest benefits of property, if you're buying into a home, it grows tax-free. And so that's like a massive tax haven, really, if you do it well, if you leverage well into, um, the other assets can't give you. And um, so I'd say they're the two, you know, some of the biggest ones why you'd want to consider property is leverage and tax-free, but there's mm. others as well, which we can keep talking about. Yeah, for sure. We will. <laughs> um, Amy, maybe... Oh, get your perspective on that. But also, if you can share your journey with property, 
Um, and so you mentioned before economics and then being envious of people in the property uh, sector or in the game. Um, can you maybe just share your thoughts on, you know, why would people listening to this invest in property, consider property and also how you got involved? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, my, my fascination with property and I think the reason why so many other people are interested in it is because it touches every single person's life, whether you want it to or not. So whether you want to invest in property as a standalone, you know, separate thing, whether you're buying a home to live in over time, you know, you want to make sure that that's meeting your own goals and values. And then in the future, if you do that right, that can give you the opportunity to be able to then go and invest because you've got equity you can borrow against using that leverage. Like you said, Chris, that's how my mum managed to buy investment properties being a low income earner. She mm. had no idea how to do that. And so it's reaching, it's reaching people who uh, might not realize that this is an option for them or might not know, you know, where they're going to end up or how to, how to get there. And it doesn't have to be, you know, have to have a lot of money to invest in property, um, educating yourself for now and just understanding the different angles you can take in the future. There's also so many layers, you know, you talk about leverage and growing a portfolio through your property you know, equity, then creating more equity. But then there's also, you know, value adding through renovating, yep. there's developing, mm. there's so many different ways. There's uh, capital growth properties, there's yield properties. But what I often see or what I often hear is people talking about the property and the, the location before themselves. So this is a hot spot, or I've been told I need to go and invest here. But well, you need to sit back and say, well, what are my goals and values? What are my cash flows? And then tailor that property and that location to you. So that's that's a that's a missing thing that I often see. So coming back to how I first got into property, mm. I was a little bit not so much in a rush, but I thought I had this amount of cash. It was about seventy thousand dollars. And this was about 10 years ago. And I had um, built that up through running a business and I thought, well, what what am I going to do with this? And I mm. got into property through my accountant. She gave me not not great property advice, <laughs> but explained mm. how I could then take that money. And I took that money and I wasn't on a high income at the time at all, but I thought, how do I use this best? And I sat back and that's when I, and I already worked in the property industry, so I had some free advice essentially. I thought, how can I take this money and maximize it? So I took $70,000 and bought two properties so I could have waited and, you know, perhaps in hindsight, I should have waited a little bit longer and had more of an income and I could have bought more growth properties. But at that point in time, to not impact my lifestyle in the short term, I had a look at my own personal situation. You know, I was in a fresh relationship, didn't want to rely on my partner to have to, um, you know, had no idea where that was going at the time. So yeah. I thought, all right, well, I need to buy something where I can afford it. It's not going to impact my short to medium term lifestyle. I like the idea of um, building a portfolio, so not necessarily use, using all that cash for one property and through a bit of being creative with using a guarantor. Um, and then also using the first home buyer grant and doing a bit of renovation, I created my own little portfolio to start with. Hmm. And that really has helped me a lot moving forward and being able to then relate to people in that situation too. People who don't necessarily have a heap of money to get into it, hmm. but want to be a bit more creative and just want to want to get started really. Hmm. I wish my uh, journey to property was as clean as yours. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I was in a similar situation that I had some money in my early 20s, like I, th I reckon I would have had close to 100 grand, right? I had um, been investing in shares and so I'd 
managed to make a little bit of money there. I also got a very good job as a contractor for a little bit. But um, being indoctrinated into like the share market, I was a big Warren Buffett fan and he was always, you know, saying like business is a productive asset. Mm. So I wanted to take that money and I I could have bought a property at the time, like I put a deposit down, but I instead took that and started what eventually became Rask. Um, and then it wasn't until quite a few years later that our circumstances had changed. COVID was, a, was, was impacting Australia and I... My partner and I, we, we looked at a property and we're like, we want to live in this area. We did what you said, like look at the location first. No real strategy other than we like this area. This is kind of where we want to settle. Uh, one thing led to another. It was a bit of a disaster from a financial perspective until Chris came along, Chris and Ben, uh, and saved us. Um, and within, so we, we did all the wrong things. Um, within se- seven days of uh, saying to Chris, hey, mate, uh, the settlement's like... It's about seven days away. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> we don't have pre-approval. Can you help us out? Um, it was a mess because I was, the business was obviously like a startup and the financials, you need two years of financials and all this sort of stuff. And by waving a, a few wands and whatever, Chris managed to help us out there. Um, and we got the settlement knocked back a few, few times, um, the financing approval knocked back. Uh, and that was my foray into property. So I basically made all the mistakes, which hopefully everyone listening to this will recognize. Don't listen to me. Listen to these other three on the show. But that's my journey. Um, you guys, uh, Pete, we, we had a conversation many years ago, you and I, about how you got started. And some of the, the things that your partner told you as well impressed upon you the value of property. Yeah, well, we do um, do apologies to anyone who's heard me tell this story a thousand times before in other <laughs> podcasts. Um, yeah, it was actually when I met my now wife, Heather, mm. and she bought her first property with a small inheritance when she was 20 years old. And when we first met, you know, there's me with my small balance of savings and a few bits and pieces, and she was miles ahead. And um, mm. you know, she'd come from a background of farmers who sort of had this idea, you buy land and don't sell it. Um, so it's interesting, Amy mentioned the first homeowners grind just before that was my first property purchase. Um, oh. So I bought, used the first homeowner's grant, bought a place, lived in it for a year, and then later it became a rental property. That's one of the big subjects we're going to cover off in this podcast, I think, because big decision for people today. You know, mentioned I like to travel. You know, do you buy a place to live? Do you rent and you know buy maybe an investment property? We've done both over the years. We've bought place, renovated them, and then they've become. Uh, later become rental mm. properties. We've done a bit of everything. And I think today, even a first home buyer needs to think a little bit with an investor mindset because it's such a big financial decision that you're making to mm. step onto the ladder. So my first uh, purchase was with the first homeowner's grant, later became a rental, and then I just built from there. But there's lots of different ways to do it. That's why we're here to to talk about it all. Mm. I think, um, I can't remember if it was Chris or Amy when we did the course together. Um, I can't remember either one of you, but one of you said to me, like, the the first home is actually, like, the most important from the yeah, perspective of sure. setting yourself up. And I guess it's that massive commitment that people make with, a, chances are, a lot of their money. Um, Chris, how did you get in, involved in Well, that? I think, um, you know, when I was looking at the new financial planning business that I was traditionally working with a lot of older clients and we went to a company that worked with a lot of younger clients, 
I was like, well, hang on a sec. This person's doing really well. What did they buy? When did they buy it? And if you compound those learnings, it'd be over 10,000 people now. When you said learning from mistakes, I think that's what I might naturally I try to do is I'll, I'll ask them questions. When did they buy it? What did they pay? I'll look at the return, et cetera. And I think that's one of the things that collectively we've got that. You know, we've seen so many people. Um, I mean, I guess uh, when you talk about the first property being so important is I could see that mistake. You know, I could see that they maybe they bought that off the plan apartment. And or maybe they bought, you know, a, a unit regionally or maybe they bought a new house and land package on the fringe. Um, and I could see how that impacted their life. They didn't get the equity that they needed. And then they would potentially become a prisoner in that property because they didn't buy a quality asset for their first one. And so um, I think that's the that's where all my learnings have come from. Um, then over the years, I've compounded my own learnings. I've you know, bought an investment property, you know, I've bought a house, I've renovated, overcapitalized on that, we upgraded. Um, and so there's been many decisions after that. But I think the real learnings is, is you know, talking to clients every day and, and just back testing what they've done. Um, and I think that's what we're looking to share with you through this podcast. Mm. Pete, um, Amy mentioned before, like yield or growth properties. Um, I remember when I was reading your book, Get a Financial Grip, uh, your use of I think it was index funds and property and like a combination of those things. When people think about, like people think about property, they think about passive income, this idea, like I've got air quotes if you can't see me, passive income. Um, is there a distinction that needs to be made in property? Yeah, I think um, like as a general rule in Australia, if you're buying residential property, the yields aren't that high. And in fact, as we sit here today, interest rates are actually going up. So mortgage rates have gone from very low, around 2% to Depends where you're borrowing today, five or six. Yeah. Very difficult to make a passive income. Mm. If you've got, um, as Chris mentioned, if you're geared against a residential property and you're paying 6% potentially interest, it's hard. So most people in residential property get the bulk of their results, just as Chris was alluding to before, from the capital growth over time. So um, there was an author, Margaret Lomaz, years ago, I think she used to say that cash flow keeps you in the market, but it's capital growth that gets you out. And it, hmm. if for residential, I think that makes a lot of sense. Now, people do look at um, commercial property often for passive income, but for residential, in my experience, it very, it's very difficult because there's always costs. There's insurance, there's rates and uh, repairs and vacancies. It's very difficult to, to generate a passive income. It does happen, but it takes you know 25 years in our experience to start seeing actual passive income coming in. Okay. So in the short term, maybe the the, the message is there for, you know, look at this as a long-term investment, um, not those kind of get rich quick, kind of flip them over and make some income. For sure. And it has one of the benefits, as we've talked about before, about uh, properties that people feel more comfortable with long-term investments, 10, 15, 20 years. In statistically, anyway, in the, in the stock market, you, well, you see the level of turnover these days. It's very quick. Uh, people don't tend to invest for the long term. The returns on property tend to be quite steady. You don't get the big swings up and down quite so much. Um, so that gives people confidence to stick around for the long term. Mm. And if you hear anything about get rich quick in property, <laughs> yeah. then that's yeah. a red flag to begin with. And mm. I don't know what I've been doing on YouTube, but I get all of these ads about you know hot spots <laughs> oh, in yeah. property and where, where are the three next places to invest red flag straight away, especially coming back to, well, that person is recommending these locations. That's not tailored advice to you. That's mm. not strategic to your personal situation in any way. Mm. And things like, um, you know, over the years, seeing these TV shows where they spend a bit of money on a property and they sell it. And, you know, it seems like this easy way to flip and make money quickly. 
um, or even developing. It sounds so appealing when you see these townhouses sell and you look at what they paid for the land and you kind of do the numbers, but you don't understand that opportunity cost there and the time involved in holding that property and that for every successful developer, there's some unsuccessful ones. So, you know, it, you can you can make money in property if you do it well, but it is absolutely about the long term, always. And some of the biggest hotspots, particularly in a country like Australia, have revolved around a new mining project. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, around and that's about timing. 2010, 2011, there was lots of parts of the country that full on booms, you know, in some of the coal mining towns or Port Hedland. But um, yeah, some of those hotspots, I mean, if you, if you get in at the wrong time, it can be quite a liquid, very difficult to sell if you get the timing wrong. Mm. You've got to get out as well mm. you get in before at the very start and yeah, you get out at the right time the because it's stops. exactly right yeah so when we talk about long-term capital city returns you i mean generally you get the the most secure and safest results landlocked suburbs where demand is growing you've got population growth there's not much land for release i mean those are the kind of areas that have tended to deliver the, the sort of long-term stable capital growth over time mm. um amy when you're saying about youtube one of the things that when we forget to turn off the do not advertise on our YouTube channel, <laughs> it's always property at the start. <laughs> it's a, some, someone with a whiteboard saying, I'm going to explain to you. The whiteboard ads, yeah, that's the ones that yeah, I get. Yeah, 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 yeah. And explain, here's the strategy. And I said, oh, I need to go into that video and edit it. <laughs> I actually signed up for one of the webinars recently. It was a free webinar. I thought, I'm just going to see what he says. And I think I missed it in the end, but um, I was quite curious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned before uh, the, the idea of strategy. What goes into that? Like if you, so someone comes to you and say, hey, mate, I'm, I've got this money. I'm thinking of buying a property because I want yield. Like you, I imagine you would sit down with them and actually discover, is this actually what you want? Yeah. So when it comes to property strategy, now this is whether you're an investor or a home buyer. If you're a home buyer, you need to have a strategy as well. Mm. And the strategy is the why, the when, mm -hmm. the what and the how. So the why needs to come first before anything else, before you make any other decisions. Why are you doing it? Why do you want to – is this something that's intrinsic? Is this something that you feel like is getting put mm. on you externally mm. through yep. – family, friends, parents, um, just thinking that you have to buy property to succeed in life, which is yeah. not, not always the case. Uh, and then the when is, well, when are you going to time that? Mostly around your own personal financial situation, your cash flows, your um, budget, your family life, et cetera. But then it also might come down to when in terms of the market. And everyone talks about timing the market. And I'm sure we're going to do a whole episode on that as well. So the why, the when, the what is then, what are you going to buy to meet those, those other elements. Mm. So how does that property then fit into those first two categories? And the what is location and then the dwelling itself and then the how. And the how sounds like, well, how? And just go out and buy a property. Well, it's not that simple. You either get a buyer's agent or you educate yourself and you yeah. put the effort and time into learning about these things and empowering yourself because it is actually – um, you know, you can go online and go to auction, you bid for a property. That sounds really easy. It is not an easy process if you do it right. And the more effort you put into property, the more you'll get out of it. The more opportunity you'll get in terms of looking at properties, the better you'll feel about making decisions and the faster you'll get a result. And it's not about speed in property, but at the same time, I see a lot of procrastination and with that comes lost mm. opportunity. Mm. Uh, I, yeah, so much there. I just I remember because I've come from like Chris from the financial planning side of the fence, and it's just so regulated that that side of the fence. You can't even talk about like five hundred dollars worth of shares without needing a license and insurance and doing a whole plan and everything. But then you get the the people like we mentioned before that maybe people that aren't as educated giving so called advice. 
And it's not until you sit down with someone like yourself and you think, oh, this just makes sense. It might not be as sexy as what they're selling on YouTube, but yeah. it's going to save me money because this is a huge commitment. If someone doesn't sit down and analyze your personal situation and then tailors that advice to you, then they're not the right person for you. But as a buyer's agent, I'm not able to sit down with a client and have a look at their entire portfolio and all I don't look through all of their finances and I can't sit down and create that longer term broad plan because that's a financial planner's job. Yep. But once a client comes to me, I can implement that strategy for them and make sure that I'm then taking their goals and values and cash flows and finding the right property and location for them. Mm. Although I do get a lot of investors come to me and they haven't actually had financial advice, but they've got an idea in mind. And then I'm able to talk about is this the right strategy for you based on what you're telling me and maybe point out some other people they might need to speak to and because mm. it's all well and good. Property just sounds like this fun, exciting thing to go out and do, but it is a big commitment. It's a long-term commitment. So, mm. yeah, taking a step back is really important. We're going to, throughout this series, get to who you need to know and what they do for you. Mm. Uh, Chris, one of the things that, you know, working with you previously um, – I, I got a glimpse into how important it is to get the right advice. Yeah. So from your side of the fence, being a mortgage broker now, um, what is what are the, some of the things that you can say to people that maybe, hey, thinking, oh, well, I'm going and I'm just seeing dollar signs lighting up. Like what are maybe some of the things that have been successful for you? I think what Amy said was really valuable there around sort of the, getting the strategy right and the why first. I think what we see in property, everyone just wants to buy the product, right? So when you're talking about those things on YouTube, everyone says, I should buy an investment property. I should. And they just go and buy a product, right? They haven't taken the mm -hmm. time to critically think, you know, uh, have a sounding board, look at the other options, what's the opportunity cost, et cetera. And I think what a, what a great broker and financial planner should do, you should be that person that drags you out of that, I want to tick the box, I just want to get the job done. To like, what are all the options, right? Like, should we upgrade our home? Should we renovate our home? Should we sell that investment property? You know, should we what? Uh, should we stretch our budget to one quality investment property or buy two, etc.? And so, I think that's what when you are think if you are listening to this and thinking about entering the property market, I think now's the time to to be building that bigger, longer-term plan. So if you do buy this property, what's your next move after that? Is this going to hinder you or is it going to um, – How would you have to sell that or et cetera? So I think that's the most important thing. And through education, you can get that clarity there, you know, because mm. you've thought through, well, we're a couple now. We want kids in a couple of years. What's going to happen then? And a lot of people haven't had those conversations. Then you can figure out, okay, well, how's my borrowing capacity, and what, what, you know, what can I spend? How's that going to change now? How's that going to change if we do have kids, or how's it going to change if we get a pay rise? And so, I think you've got to really slow down to then speed up into property, and you need to spend a period of not only understanding um, the market and what's a good property, but what's the right next move for you as a as a single or as a couple or as a family. Um, and I think that's the the best approach, once you then get to, okay, well, now we can borrow this, then you start thinking, well, what's the right place to spend that money, right? Where's the actual best option for that across the whole country? We There's a home bias is massive in property. I've got a property in this suburb. I'm going to I'm gonna buy in this suburb because I know it. But that means you're not looking at the other 10 million properties in the, in the country, right? And so, um, yeah, I think you got to go back before you go forward in property. Mm, I like that. Uh, Chris, uh, maybe I'll hand it over to you for a few minutes. Like we've been sitting down, you and I have been talking about this for a few months. Yeah. Um, Amy and Pete as well. We've all been meeting and talking about this, uh, about the series and and what we hope to do for folks uh, that listen and subscribe to this series from here on out. Um, but yeah, like what can people expect going forward from the four of us? 
Look, I think it's important we all um, set the foundations right. You know, there's um, there's no like rule book for property, right? And so what we need to do is educate on the foundations first. And that's what we're going to focus on in the first few months uh, to build those. But then ongoing, we want to keep on adding value on compounding your learning. And, um, you know, there's, everyone's at different stages. You could have your first home buyer, someone looking to do a reno or upgrade or investments or a portfolio investor. So we're not just going to be pigeonholed into one camp, um, but we can hopefully, and even if you're not at that stage, it's important for you to be thinking through, well, what would I do if I was at that stage? And so, you know, all content should be um, valuable. I guess how we're going to sort of structure it is, um, you know, a couple of interviews a month of, of people. We, we're going to be doing it. Um, and, and these are going to be big names, people that we think are going to add huge value to you and your journey. Um, we're going to do a couple of Q&As a month. Um, mm. They are so valuable because they're real-life case studies. And we can talk about, you know, even if you're not in those shoes, you can get learnings from the mistakes of others um, and what not to do if you're at those stage. Um, you know, all four of us are going to run little master classes and um, you know, these are a bit more short and sweet, but they're going to be highly tailored to to something. So as a broker, I might be saying, well, look, you know, the, even the conversation around interest only or principal and interest or how to maximize your borrowing capacity or how to give yourself buffers and protect yourself. So we'll mm -hmm. run very, you know, succinct um, masterclasses on those. Um, and then we're going to do a, a topic where one of the values of having four of us, um, we're not all going to all four be on every episode, but we'll <laughs> split it up and it might be myself and Amy or Amy and Pete or me and Owen um, to, you know, focus on a single topic. Um, and while they may be topical at that time, they're most likely still going to be evergreen. Um, so if you're joining this podcast, you know, you know, years down the line, um, you'll still get lots out of it. Mm. Did I miss anything there, Owen? Um, I think that's about it, other than just send us your questions. So we want to yeah. hear from you. Um, I think that's the key thing is we want it, we talk into these microphones or into the camera here uh, and it's the four of us and Monique in the, in the studio here, but we are just the four of us talking about this stuff. It'd be great if we can hear from you and hear your questions because that also enables us to know what you want to hear about and how we can help you more. Um, so send us a question. Uh, there will be a link in the show notes. You can just select the Australian Property Podcast from there. So a couple of episodes a week is what people can probably expect. Uh, we're all going to have probably different perspectives on the same problems for a lot of our community. And that's probably the exciting part is mm. we all come from a different background and we're going to probably challenge each other in, in unique ways where you probably won't see that on other shows where people have, they're all singing from the same songbook. Mm. Uh, we are going to probably play devil's advocate and those types of things, which would be great. But we just, I think the key message is we want to hear from you uh, throughout the series. So please write into us. Uh, also in the show notes, you will find all of the links to us. As I said, uh, if you want to find out about mortgage broking, buyers advocacy, whether it's in Melbourne or Brisbane or wherever you are, you will find links and resources in the show notes. We want to be as helpful as possible. Um, and I'm just really excited, guys. I'm really excited that we get to be here today and we get to do this and we get to help people. I think all of us are united by that, even if we do it in our own small way. Uh, I think that's really exciting. So, um, Maybe we'll just finish up with, for this first episode, Amy, can you just tell us a little bit about where people can go to find you and who you're normally dealing with every day? Yeah, so I've got a buyer's agency here in Melbourne. I work sort of in that inner metro part of Melbourne, first home buyers, investors, third home buyers, mm -hmm. all kinds of property buyers. But then I've also got an online course for first home buyers specifically who might want to um, gain the knowledge from a buyer's advocate, but without the price tag, you know, not every person can or wants to mm. work with a buyer's agent. Um, so you can find me at amylenardi.com.au or I've also got my online 
first home buyer course, which is the property guidebook. So that's thepropertyguidebook.com.au. Great, great stuff. And Pete, how about you, mate? You've written books and where can people find out more about you and follow along? Uh, easiest place to track me down. Well, as you've touched on before, I'm pretty easy to find on the internet, probably too active sometimes <laughs> on the Twitter and elsewhere. But um, easiest place to find me, uh, my daily blog, Pete Wardgen Blogspot. Mm. Um, you can subscribe there and if there's, there's links to all the stuff I do in terms of property um, and my main website, PeteWodgen.com, so pretty easy to find. Yeah, I love it. And Chris? I mean, Pete's blog is amazing. I have it to is, do yeah. listen to uh, read every single one of those. There's amazing I'm glad somebody's tuning in. So uh, a bit biased here, but Pete's a legend. Um, I think, you know, what, what I'm doing this for is, is impact, right? And um, we've all seen the power of content, right? So I've produced a lot of content over the years. I've you know, got another podcast on LinkedIn, et cetera. You can go to the company website, which would be in the, the show notes. I mean, our typical client is, um, you know, East Coast, young couples and families uh, that are, you know, I guess working on themselves and their careers and they're a bit aspirational. And so generally that attached to a little bit of the higher incomes. Um and you know, that could be at any stage in their journey. It could be literally, you know, we're a new couple, we're trying to buy our first home together and we're really, um, it could be, you know, these still definitely singles as well. Um, and it could be families. We really need a family home. You know, how do we upgrade from this apartment to the next place? Or, you know, I bought that investment property. I have no idea what I was doing then. You know, what's my next best move? Should I sell it? You know? Um, and so, yeah, we run a mortgage broking business and there's a big team of it. And all day, every day, I probably do about 30, 40 calls a week. Um and it's just talking people through their strategies, just helping them think through like what's the right next move for them, and mm. um, and you know dis- we're disconnected. We're not, um, you know, this is one of the things with the podcast is we're not worrying about sort of well, let's get some business in or let's just get a loan through, etc. Um, it's all about the abundance mindset and just making sure people are making great decisions and over time those you know they're compounding for them. Mm. Yeah, well, I think I need a book in for one of those with you, actually. Yeah, anytime. <laughs> um, but you can find all the links in the show notes. Yeah, so if you are keen to play along and you want to find out more about us, you can speak to any one of us by uh, by following up with us on our websites or in the show notes. There'll be links. Uh, and, of course, subscribing. Just send us a, send us a message. Uh, give us some feedback, good and bad. We encourage it all. Um, and we just love to hear from you. So maybe starting with you, Amy, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Owen. And Pete, always a pleasure. Likewise, great to be on. And Chris? I'm excited. Let's do this. Thanks for tuning in to the Australian Property Podcast. If you love the show, why not subscribe or leave us a review on Apple or Spotify? And if you want to work with me, Amy, Pete or Chris, you'll find links in your podcast player to get in contact with us. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Australian Property Podcast. We're huge advocates of getting the right advice at the right time from the right people. That's why it's important to understand that this podcast episode contained general financial information only. It is not designed to be specific or personalized to your financial, tax or legal situation. With property, the check sizes are pretty big, so it's important you get advice from a licensed and trusted professional before acting on the information you hear in RAS podcasts. Thanks again for listening. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest... Now is your chance. 
Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says Invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.